Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Get your Bibles open. I've got an exciting word that I want to share with you this morning. How many came to get something from God's word this morning? Amen. If you're here for any other reason, you probably just don't know the right reason that you're here. And you'll find out by the time this is over that this is a place where God wants to speak to us through his word. It's so exciting to see so many of you newer people that have just started coming, some that have just gotten saved. Another announcement we're going to make is this this month at the end of the month, uh, probably the last Sunday, we'll have a, a baptism for any of you that have gotten saved recently and need to get water baptized. Amen. That's going to be exciting as well. And so lots of good things are happening and lots of good things are coming. Amen? I want to talk this morning about I'm the one. I want you to tell the person next to you, I'm the one. I am the one. I want you to say it with some belief. I'm the one. Now, I know that sounds kind of prideful and might sound kind of weird. And by the time this gets over, you're going to get where I'm going with this. But the Lord's been putting this in my spirit for several weeks, and I finally felt led today to minister on it. And so we're going to be in a moment in in Luke 15, but there's a lot of foundation I want to give here with this. And when I say I'm the one, there's a lot of things I want us to think about. And so how many are thankful this morning for your salvation? Anybody in here that really, really is thankful that they're not the person that they used to be? Amen. That you're a changed person and... And I want, I want us to begin to think about that because there's a lot of dynamics in a church. There's, again, some, some here have been saved for weeks. Some have been saved for years. Some have uh, gone back into their old ways and are coming back. There are others that probably aren't here today that need to come back. And there's always that dynamic going on in a church, and everybody's at different places and all the time, we would all want to be in a high all the time, all at the high place, at the best place. That should be our goal. But the truth is, we go through battles, we go through struggles, we go through situations. Things happen, uh, things that go on that are out of our control. We make mistakes. We do the right thing. Sometimes we do the wrong thing. And so in the mixture of that, everybody's coming into a service on a Sunday with all kinds of different needs, all kinds of different thoughts, all kinds of different situations. Am I talking to any real people here this morning? And so the Word of God is so perfect for us, and I, and I want us to understand by the time this is over that, that I, am the, I, am the, I am the problem this morning. I just want to say that I am the problem this morning, but I'm also the solution. Amen? I'm the reason that Jesus went to the cross. I, I, am the, I am the one who's going to be the greatest giver in missions this year. I'm the one that's going to win the most souls. And as I'm saying this all about myself, I'm saying that for you to say that for yourself as well. I, I, was, I thought about titling it, you're the one, but you're not the one. I am. Amen? And that person calling is the one. Amen? How many of how many you following what I'm saying this morning? It's, it, it, our salvation is personal. And, and a lot of times in, in victory or defeat, we're good at looking around and blaming people or taking the credit for things or, or thinking somebody else is going to do it or, or somebody else needs to do it or why didn't somebody else do it. And I just want to talk this morning about I'm the one. Amen? So let's look at Luke chapter 15. We're going to hit several different areas this morning and you'll get where I'm going by the time this is over and you'll be saying it with me. I hope during the message you'll be saying it with me, I am the one. 
Now, I love this beginning in Luke 15. We're going to read from the New Living Translation. And right before we do, we're going to pray specifically. We've already prayed for our needs. We've already prayed for the offering. Now we're going to pray, and I want to teach you something. I didn't do this in the first service. When we pray at this moment, and and I don't always pray at the message, but a lot of times I do, don't just close your eyes and start thinking about the pot roast that's at home or thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow. When we pray right here, this is for you to say, Lord, I need to hear from you. I need to shut off what I need to do tomorrow. I need to shut off my thoughts of food. I need to shut off my problems, and I need to hear the voice of God this morning. I need direction in my life. How many am I talking to this morning? So when we pray, we're praying for distractions to be removed. We're praying for our flesh to be destroyed. We're praying for our spirits to be open so that that fruit would come out of every message. Because how many know we're not here this morning just to check a box and say, I went to church? We're here for great things. We're here for a purpose, and we're here for a plan. Father, in this, in this moment, we come to you, and we come with a hungry heart, and we come with a spirit that is open. Father, I'm the one right now, as I'm praying, that needs to hear your voice. Uh, you've got a word for me this morning. You're going to speak to me. I open my ears, I open my heart, I open my spirit to receive because the words you're going to speak to me are going to change my life. And then as you change my life, I'm going to change the life of others. And I pray that every distraction, every lie of the devil, every spirit of darkness would be destroyed right now and nothing would hinder the word of God from coming forth in power and anointing. And I pray, Lord, that we would leave different this morning than when we came in, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. So we start this story off with Jesus talking to tax collectors. And I love the the, the New Living Translation that says, other notorious sinners. So we kind of come to church with an attitude about those other people that come to church. Those other sinners, those, you know, we, we, yeah, I'm guilty of myself. I'm the one who likes the glorified testimony, who likes to say, man, that person was a drug addict. Man, that person was an alcoholic. Man, that person was this and that. And it gives glory to God that God brought him from something. But the, pro- the truth is, church, we are all messed up. We're all sinners. And sometimes we get to a place as believers that we've been saved for a while and we forget what it was like to be lost. Um, I guess you guys are those people I'm talking to over here. So I felt a little resistance. How many know that we are the ones that are lost? I'm the one this morning that's lost. Again, I'm the one that put Jesus on that cross. I'm not putting the blame on you. I'm putting it on me. Because I'm the one who who was lost and needed to be found. But the problem in church a lot of times is after we get saved, we begin to to judge. We begin to look at another person's life and think, well, the way they look on the outside must be how they're going on the inside. Or we don't understand what somebody's been through. We don't understand what somebody's going through. Amen. We don't understand the, the news that someone got this, this week or, or the victory that they had or the struggle that they're going through. And, and that's the dynamic that's so powerful about church is that literally right now we're all here together in this, in this body and all of us have representations of our lives that are so different than other people, yet at the same time we may be going through something that somebody else is going through as well. And we think, well, I'm the only one that's going through this, or I'm the one that's struggling, or I'm the... But the truth is, every single one of us represents something this morning, and it is the grace and the mercy of God. 
And Jesus came to this earth to change and to seek and save that which was already found. Is that what it says? He came to seek and save that which is... And who's lost here this morning? Do I have anybody? Who's the one this morning? I'm the one that's lost. Amen. I, I once was lost, and now I'm found, thank God. And so he goes to these tax collectors and these notorious sinners, and they said they often came to listen. Now, don't change it yet, please. To Jesus teach. Church, we're here this morning not just to reach people who have already gotten saved. Our main goal is to reach people who are lost. This is a hospital. How many understand this is a hospital? This is a place where sick people come. And I'm not talking just physically because we know that Jesus can heal physically. This is a place where people come that have needs. And we don't want to turn anybody away. We don't want anybody to feel like they can't come here and be, t- and be helped. Because I've never heard of a hospital that told someone, you're too bloody to come here. You're too sick to come here. We don't want to be the church that other people uh, are saying, you can't send them there because if you, if you send them there, they'll send them away. We want other churches to say, hey, send them to Victory Old Outreach. If you've got a real problem, go to Victory Old Outreach. They'll take you there. This is a hospital, amen? And how many know you and I were the ones who came in who needed the most hope? I'm the chief of all sinners. I'm the one who needs the grace of God more than anybody. So this morning, say it with me, I'm the one. And we're going to see this more in a moment here. So he's teaching these collectors and, 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 and notorious sinners, and he says, he told them this story. And he says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one, say one, gets lost, he, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one? See, I'm the one that he left to go search for. I'm the one that was lost and needed to be found. And he says he'll go until he finds it. That's the Jesus that we have this morning. And when he's found it, that's you and me, he will carry it home. Jesus carried me. There's that whole thing about the finger, the footprints. Why, Lord, did I only see one set of footprints when you said you were walking with me? Because Jesus says, because I'm carrying you. The set of footprints was me. How many know Jesus is carrying us today? Amen? When we think that we're alone... It's Jesus carrying us. It says, carefully home on his shoulders. And then when he arrives, he will get together with his friends and neighbors. Every week, there's a, there's a celebration here when we see people give their lives to Jesus. And it says, his friends and neighbors will say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. And in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over, look, over one, one sinner lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others. Now, let's stay here for a second. Over the 99 others that who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Let's leave that verse up for a second. This is, this is where I want to be here this morning. We need to understand that we're that one. We sometimes, many times, try to put ourselves in the, well, I'm the 99 that never messes up. I'm the 99 that's got it all together. And the truth is, none of us have it all together. We should be trying. We should be, uh, like we always say, reaching up to that standard that God puts. But the truth is, the Bible tells me all have fallen and fall short of the glory of God. 
and the wages of our sin is death. And the only reason we're saved this morning is because of God's mercy. I don't deserve his mercy. You don't deserve his mercy. We don't deserve his mercy. But thank God he loved us while we were still sinners. Amen. And didn't, and didn't wait for us to get it. I see one person over there that's thankful. Is there anybody over here that's thankful that he didn't, that he didn't come just for the, the righteous people, but he came for the lost, the messed up? There's nobody too messed up for Jesus. But we can get an attitude in church. We can get an attitude that, well, I'm saved now, and, and I'm, I'm the one who's carrying this church spiritually. I'm the one who's the prayer warrior. I'm the one who gives. I'm the, if it wasn't for me, I don't know what would happen in this church. That's not the right attitude. That's the, that's the prideful attitude. I, I have been saying this, and I want to say it again this morning. Humility attracts God. The Bible says God resists the proud. And so if there's a problem, for example, and there isn't, but if there were a problem in this church, I want to be the one to say I'm the problem. Not look at somebody else and they're the problem. He's the problem. She's the problem. I'm the problem. When we all begin to look in the mirror, it's like marriage. We had a great um, fundraiser for the youth last night for camp, and, and there was some food, and Pastor Mario gave a great word on marriage, and, and we just had a t some couples together and played some games. And, and the truth is, when you talk about marriage, the marriages that are successful and make it are the marriages that realize, and if you've got some new marriages in here this morning, you can't change your spouse. You can't. The only person you can change is you. So we need to stop putting our hand on our spouses and praying for God to change them and put our hands on our heads and say, Lord, change me. I'm the problem in this marriage. The reason we don't have the best marriage in the world is because of me. The reason that we're, we're struggling is because of me. And if both couples are doing that, imagine what the marriage is going to look like. If everybody in our church is saying, if there's a problem in this church and I'm the reason there's a problem, well, how quickly would that problem get fixed? But there's a problem that does exist, and that problem is, is we tend to judge other people and look at other people's lives and say, man, they should have it all together, or they do have it all together. How could they do that, or how could they say this, or how could they go there? Truth, we, truth is, church, we are human beings, and until we get taken up into glory, we got to deal with this flesh. And Jesus spent most of his time dealing with this. And I want to be on the side of, Lord, it's me, instead of the Lord saying, it's you. Did y'all catch that just now? It's better that I say, Lord, it's me, than God tells me, it's me. That's the step of humility, is to step out and say, I'm the problem, Lord. It's not them. It's not everybody else. It's me. Because then he's attracted to my humility, that I'm the problem. Instead of being the one that says, it ain't me, I'm not the problem, it's that person over there. And like I said at the altar call this morning, everybody point at me this morning. I want everybody just point at me, just point at me. How many fingers do you have pointing back at you? Right? That's the problem with pointing is we point fingers at people and we have three fingers pointing back at us. And so don't point. If you're going to point, point at yourself. Now point at yourself. How many fingers you got pointing at you? All of them. Okay? If I say I'm the problem, then God can work on me. 
And if God works on you and God works on me and God works on her and God works on him and God's working on all of us personally, we're going to have the most amazing church and do the most amazing things we could ever even imagine. Is anybody here? Okay, so this is telling us in the same way there's, a, there's joy when the 99 who are righteous haven't strayed away. We have this attitude, well, man, I, I have been living for the Lord for so long, and I've never made that mistake. And listen, living for the Lord for so long and, and, and being righteous is wonderful, but you can't get to a place where you feel like you have arrived. Because the Bible says when you feel that way, stumbling is ahead. Pride comes before a fall. And so we cannot be prideful. We must understand and remember, and I'm going to show you some more in a second, how, who we were, what we did, how did we think, and, and get in this mind frame that, Lord, if you can work on me, we can see revival. Amen. So let's keep reading here. Or suppose a woman has ten coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search? Now leave this up for a second carefully till she finds it. Has anybody in here ever misplaced anything? I like to use the word misplace instead of lose. Because most of the time I end up finding it. And I tell my wife, I told you I didn't lose it. I just misplaced it. There's a difference, amen? I'm still waiting to find that wallet that I misplaced. I've got one in, in its place now, but I still want to find it. This last weekend, I had a Pastor Jose here, and unfortunately none of you got to see him. We actually brought him in to preach for us on Wednesday, but we had the freeze, and so we had to cancel services. But he came to c come and take his wife back, and they got back early this morning, about 2 a.m., and he's preaching, and they're having a great service this morning. Actually, had a great turnout. And, uh, but they were at our house, and our, and our rooms are pretty small. And so we had uh, Landon and Destiny came over and my grandson, and we had them, which was four, and us. And so we were all in, in, the, in the house together, uh, stuck. And how many, how many are thankful for being able to get out of the house? I just want to chase that rabbit for a second. Did anybody have any cabin fever? I just wanted to go somewhere. I'm like, just, just let me get out the house. But we were in the house having fun, enjoying each other's company, and Briar went to take a nap. And so he went into the, the guest bedroom, and I've got my drawers in there because all the closets upstairs are my wife's. And so I have, I, have a, I have a closet and some drawers, and my closet's that one that's the, the material that kind of you just pull it out, and it's real light, if you've ever seen those dressers. And so somehow my grandson uh, did magic. He went in there and took a nap in his little playpen. And all of a sudden, we heard him talking, and so we went in there, and he didn't take a nap. And somehow, he reached over to my drawers and pulled all my clothes out, and they were thrown all over the room. And somehow, the most miraculous thing is one of my drawers to this, till this day this morning is totally missing. I don't even have any clue where this drawer is. How does a drawer disappear? But anything can happen. So it is misplaced. So we're going to at some point have to pull all the stuff out of the room and find this one drawer. That's what this lady was doing. So if when we misplace something, we know we're going to eventually find it again. Amen? And so maybe right now you're thinking of that, that thing you've misplaced. Now come back here, back to the Word of God, and don't think about it anymore, okay? And so they find, she searches this and she finds it. And then it says, and when she finds it, she will call in her friends and her neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. Amen? And the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when one, say it again, one sinner repents. I'm the one. 
Now, as I was talking this morning about judging others and looking at others and, 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 and thinking about other people's lives and situations, I want you to write some things down if you're taking notes. And if you're not taking notes, remember these and ask these. Really ask yourself these questions. Tell the person next to you, he's preaching to me. Okay? He's preaching to me. Not to, me, not to you, he's preaching to me. I'm preaching to myself. Where was I? We need to remember. I want to give you some things we need to remember consistently and constantly, whether you've been saved for a week or 10 years or 50 years. Where was I when I met Jesus? And I'm not talking about just the physical location. That's good to know that too. Where were you spiritually? Yes, lost. That's obviously. But what condition were you in? Who were you? What was your life like? I want you to remember that. You must remember what we came from. If we're going to appreciate what God has done, we must remember what God brought us out of. And too many times we've been saved for a while and we get, we get righteous. We get super righteous. We get what's called super holy. And we get to a place where we begin to think, man, I'm not like that sinner anymore. Amen? Maybe you hear of somebody did something or said something in the church and, and that, that happens in church. You hear things. And, and maybe instead of going into your mind and thinking, man, let me pray for that person, for that struggle that they're going through, we automatically think, man, I'm glad I'm not that person anymore. How I many know that's not the right attitude? That's a self-righteous attitude. That's an attitude that shows that I don't need help, that I'm not the problem. And the truth is, I am the problem. What were some of the things that I did? How did I act? Have you thought? And I don't want you to go too long there because you might get depressed, amen? But how many know that there was some, some certain ways we acted? And, and today we have to deal with this flesh to not act out those things today. I'll put myself on blast. One of the things that I get the most angry about is driving. I have road rage. Well, I, was, I want to say I had road rage, and every once in a while it it's resurrects. Amen. I don't want to say I have it anymore, but I do, I do have it every once in a while. And back in the day, I had a, pro, I had a problem like a real problem. In Tucson, Arizona, where I grew up, I, I used to have somebody pull in front of me, and this is God as my witness, and do something bad on the road, and, and I would chase them down. I would, I would do what I could to get them to pull over. And a lot of times I would get out of my car, and I would go, and I would start swinging on them in their car. I'm, I'm telling you, dumb, mad, just angry. I wanted them to feel my road rage. And I mean, you know, that happens a lot. The last time I ever did it, I met Smith Wesson. I got out of a car, and the dude pulled over, and he didn't say a word, but I got up to his window with my fist clenched, and he had his rifle fainting right, facing right in my face. So that was the last time I got out of my car ever for a fight for that. But the problem is the anger's still there because I, I have the problem. So just this last week when we finally got out of the house and came into Denton, we were over there by Sam's and Walmart, and we, me and another guy came into the intersection at the same time. And he started making faces at me and, and, you know, giving me some gestures that were like, hey, how you doing, with the hand turned around. And I got mad, and I had Pastor Jose in the car, I had my wife in the car, I had my nephew in the car, and I got a little bit into the flesh for a minute. And I said, what? I would like, I stopped and I just, like I wanted to 
do what I used to do. Amen. But quickly I felt convicted and felt very bad and felt very wrong. And so that's not something that I do all the time. But how many know that what I'm talking about? We have problems. Amen. And, and, and how many know that one of the biggest triggers of anger on the road for me is when you're in that left lane. Am I talking to anybody that, that, that knows that the left lane is for something? It's called passing. So if you're the one, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you're the one this morning that stays in that left lane, stop being the one so that I don't have to be the one. Can I get an amen? I do want to know if I have any other people that get really bothered with the people that stay in the left lane. Okay, I, just, okay, I, I have some people. The left lane is to pass, and the right lane is to go slow. And sometimes you pass these people in the left lane, and they don't have a clue. Like, I get even more upset when they don't have a clue. I want them to at least look at me and recognize that I'm mad at them. They're just super slow, right? Okay, I got all that out. I'm the one, amen? That's just one of my problems. When you get the microphone, you can tell some of yours. What did I used to do? Was I worthy? Was I worthy? Was any of us in this place worthy of Jesus' love? No. These are things that we need, not just today, but we need to remind ourselves of consistently. You know what will make you a good soul winner? When you remember who you were. People that don't win souls are people who have become self-righteous. Soul winners are people who constantly, daily, and Ray mentioned this in the first service. They did in the second. That happens all the time. We do this and messages are always different. But he said that he thanked God. For the whole time he was praying the other day, thanking God. When you are thankful for your salvation, you're going to want to tell other people about it. When you get to a place that you feel like you've arrived and you don't need any help and you've got it all together, then you're not going to look at people in this world like the person you used to be. So soul winners are people who, who understand that, that I am just a decision away from being back where I was when I got saved. I'm just one bad decision, just one. You realize that if I'd have got out of that car and fought with that guy, he could have had a gun. We could have gone to, I mean, you start thinking about if we would entertain and go forth with the thoughts we have as believers where we would be today. Amen. In this church, if you were to hear some of the testimonies, if you were to hear some of the people, the things people have been through, some of the things people have done in this place, you would be blown away and probably wouldn't even believe it. And a lot of times you look at somebody and you hear the testimony and you don't believe it. You go, there's no way that person could be like that. But how many know every single one of us, if it wasn't for the grace of Jesus Christ, most of us would be in jail this morning. Most of us would be dead this morning. Most of us would be hung over this morning. Amen? You, have you thought lately, especially some of you that are new in the Lord, have, that, that on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, you're sitting in a church service? Has, has that resonated in your mind recently? Instead of where you would normally be on a Sunday at noon and what you'd be doing, you'd be asleep. Many of you'd be hung over. Many of you would have your bank account in the red and not know where you spent it. How many are thankful this morning that you are in church this morning and not in jail and not in the hospital and not on the street and not in hell? Amen. I'm the one that needs to change. Did I deserve it? Did I have every, did anybody have it all together when you got saved? 
See, that's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't come to us and change us when we've got it all together. Now look at this Matthew chapter 23. I want to show you a couple things. Jesus was really strong against religious righteousness. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. He, he was either healing people or rebuking people. He was either saving people or re rebuking people. And the people he was saving was the lost, hopeless people, and the ones he was rebuking were the ones that thought they were saved, that didn't need a rebuke. Lord, rebuke me this morning. I can't say that for you, but I'm saying it for me. Lord, rebuke me. Lord, convict me. Lord, change me. Lord, show me what I can do so that I'm not the one that causes the problem. That's the heart that God's looking for this morning. And so he's always addressing this. And this is really what he was doing in that story that we read in Luke. But he says, you, you hypocrites. Now I want to ask a question. How many hypocrites do I have in this place this morning? Let me see your hand if you're a hypocrite. You keep, go ahead and keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. I just want to, okay. I'm just, I'm just trying to see where the hypocrites are, the ones that don't have their hands raised. If you don't have your hand raised, you're the hypocrite. Okay? That's the truth. No matter how hard we try, we should try. We should try to never be a hypocrite. We are hypocritical people. We're hypocrites. And I don't have time or even want to go into the examples, but the truth is, church, we are hypocrites. Every one of us, even if we don't want to be, you could, you could, someone could, could be around you and say, listen, you were just hypocritical in that moment. As a matter of fact, it would probably be very depressing if, if we had a hypocritical ra radar around us. If the hypocritical siren went off, we would be tired of it because we would be doing hypocritical things all the time because that's our flesh. We're hypocritical people. And so if, if he says, you hypocrites, and, we, and when he does that, we think of somebody else, that's the problem. Y'all with me? If, if I just said that, how many are hypocrites? And instead of you lifting your hand and saying, I'm a hypocrite, you thought of somebody? That's a problem. Hello? That's exactly what I'm trying to address this morning. I am the hypocrite. I don't want to be, but I am. And I'm going to try every day of my life to not be one and be the least hypocritical I can be. But the truth is, I'm a hypocrite. And you're a hypocrite. And Jesus is constantly addressing this. And when we acknowledge it and recognize it, that's when God can help us. But the problem is these people he's talking to, which could be us this morning, he goes on to say, you're like whitewashed tombs. That's pretty strong. He says, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Now, the difference between the person, let me give you an example. You know what the difference is between those that are on our serve team this morning and those that are not? You know what it is? The ones on the serve team serve and the ones that aren't on the serve team don't. That's the only difference. They're not better. They're not more spiritual. God doesn't love them more. They're just people who've said, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to get involved in my church, and I'm going to serve. And if you're not yet, well, you'll have an opportunity. Don't take that wrong. But how many are getting what I'm saying? That's the difference. The difference between the people he's talking to who are hypocrites and the ones who are also hypocrites is the ones who recognize who they are and the ones that don't. That's the difference. 
And so Jesus was trying to get these men in these robes. I mean, I could, you know, realize, and, I, and I'm not, you realize I could be living in all-out all blatant sin. I could be in an adulterous affair this morning. I could be on drugs. I could be sm- sm- selling drugs. I could be doing all kinds of things this morning, and you'd never know it because I, I got it together on the outside. I'm just being real, and I'm not, by the way. just want you to know. Not covering up anything with this message, but you get what I'm saying. It's not the, the outside appearance is great, but that's the problem. It's lots of people want to put on a facade, but on the inside, they're like whitewashed tombs. And part of it, a lot of times, is our attitude. Like, and what I'm trying to get us to do today, because because as Pastor Mario mentioned last night, and we know revival is not only coming, but it's here, and and not, we haven't seen anything yet of what God's gonna do. And so he's got more people coming through those doors to get saved, to come to this altar and give their lives to Jesus. But he's got to do a little bit of work on us. He's got to get us ready to, to understand that we're the, we're the reason, I'm the reason that the revival hasn't already happened the way God wants it to. Everybody goes, we need to see a move of God. We need a revival. And God is saying, yes, we do. And you're the reason there's not one. And I say, Lord, you're, I'm the reason. You're right. So I'm going to fix this and get me right so that I can have personal revival. Real revival comes from, starts with personal revival. Each person saying, I'm the problem, but I'm also the solution. Amen? Now, as the, I know the musicians are going to start heading this way, but I'm going to get this part. This is the, the Lord gave me this this morning. Matthew, again, this is so powerful, chapter 26. I'm doing mostly in the New Living Translation today. I usually do New King James. Watch this. Jesus is, is talking to his disciples. They're doing the Last Supper. He's about to go die. He's about to leave this legacy to his disciples to change the world. And as he's getting them ready, he has told them, one of you is going to betray me. Stay with me on this. He says, one of you is going to betray me. And, and, and one of them already knows he is. Here's the interesting thing. Everybody still here? This is going to tie it all up. The one who knows he's going to betray him acts like he's not. He already knows because he's already got the silver. He's waiting now, the Bible tells us in this part of the story, for the moment to betray Jesus, which we know is going to be in the garden not too long after this. So the one who is the hypocrite, the one who is the traitor, is looking on the outside like, I'm not, that's not me. And the other 11 who are not traitors and are not hypocrites, watch what they do. He says, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And so the one who is going to betray is not greatly distressed because he already knows he's a mess. He already knows he's wrong, but he doesn't care. The other ones who aren't messed up and do understand that they're lost, say they're, says they're greatly distressed, and they start to ask each other, Lord, is it me? So the ones who aren't guilty are the ones who act guilty. And the one who is guilty is the one who doesn't act guilty. So that's why this morning, from the very beginning of this message, I have said, I'm the one. Because I want to understand, have God understand, I'm not, I'm not sitting here acting like I, don't, I have it all together. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Without Jesus, I'm lost. Without Jesus, I'm hopeless. Too many people get saved, and then they leave Jesus at home. And they don't need Jesus anymore. I need Jesus every moment. 
every day, every hour, every second, everywhere I go. He's the reason I live. He's the reason I move. He's my being. He's everything. When I lose that, I become a hypocrite like the Pharisees and the scribes and like Judas. Judas doesn't say a word. And all the other 11 disciples say, Lord, am I the one? That's the right attitude that God is looking for this morning. Am I the one? Now, once I realize that I'm the problem, the last thing I want you to understand is that you can be the solution too. Isaiah 6 says, he says, who can I send? And the problem we don't, the reason we don't go and be sent is because we haven't admitted that we're the problem. So once I say, Lord, is it I? And God says, yes, I need you to work on this. I need you to work on that. I need you to fix this. I need you to fix that, that anger, that unforgiveness, that jealousy, that strife, that this, that that. Yeah, you don't do drugs anymore, but you're hateful. You don't, do, you don't do alcohol anymore, but you're jealous. Those are the things that aren't seen. Amen? We get rid of real quick a lot of times the alcohol, the drugs, the, sometimes the cussing, all the things that are outward. But then we've got the anger, the unforgiveness, the jealousy, the strife that we've got to deal with. And we're all guilty of that. Amen. Now, as I get my life together now and I say, Lord, I'm, it's, this is me. This is this. This problem's not the churches. Um, the reason that we don't have enough money to, to build a building is me. The reason that people aren't coming in and getting saved every Sunday morning is because of me. The reason all the marriages aren't the best they can be is because of me. I'm the problem. I, it's me. I'm the one. Once I get there, then Jesus says, now who can I send? And then I can also say, here I am, Lord, send me. Because I haven't lost my touch of reality with who I used to be. I know that I'm a lost sinner saved by grace. And I need to go tell other people that they can be saved by that same grace. That I'm not so much better than them. The only thing that separates me between them and, him, and, and me and them is God's grace. Is everybody seeing that this morning? That's the only thing that separ- the only thing that's different between me and you is that I've answered the call, but I still face all the problems you face. I still have all the temptations you face. I still live the same life you live. I've just decided to answer the call and say, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'm the one that's going to change this world. How many want to be the one this morning to change this world? How many want to be the one to go out of here and go get that next one? See, you were the one, and now there's one waiting for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you this morning that I am the one that you went after, that you left the 99. Lord, that you loved me so much that you left everybody else and you said, I'm going to get Blake. Oh, Father, I remember that day like yesterday, like it's today, Father, when you changed my life. And, Lord, I still have tendencies. I still have temptations. I still have this flesh I have to deal with. But, God, I am a new creation. And, Lord, today I take responsibility for what I can be responsible for. And, Lord, I want you to use my life. I want people to see Jesus in me. I want people to be saved through me. But, God, help me remember what you brought me from. Help me remember who I used to be. Help me remember the the things I used to do, God, so that when I get around other people who are making the same mistakes I used to make, I won't be a hypocrite and judge them and think I'm better than them because I don't do those things anymore. The The difference is I do something else. Help us, God. Help us to get our eyes on the harvest. Help us to see people for what they are, which is lost 
which is what I was. I once was lost, but now I'm found. How many in this place this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed all over this house this morning, you could say today, I am the one that needs Jesus. I am the one that Jesus is coming after. I'm that lost sheep. Maybe you're here today and you have never been born again. You've never said, Jesus, I'm lost and I need to be found. He's knocking on the door of your heart, but you haven't opened it. How many could say, I'm the one today that Jesus is talking to right now? Just lift up your hand and put it right back down and say, pray for me today. I'm the one. I'm the one that Jesus needs to come after. I'm going to wait just a moment. I'm the one. That's me. I'm the one that if I died today and I went into eternity, I don't know where I'd spend it. I'm not asking you if, you're, if you've gone to church. I'm asking you, have you admitted that you're a sinner? Have you let the blood of Jesus wash you white as snow? Have you let the blood of Jesus cleanse you from all your unrighteousness? How many? That's me. Before I move on, there may be someone watching online. There may be somebody listening on the podcast. We're going to pray with you in just a minute. But what, 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 how many here could say, I'm the one that, that knew Jesus. I'm the one in that parable. I knew Jesus, and I left. And I went out into the world, and today I'm here by God's grace, and he's the one that I'm the one he went after. I'm the lost sheep that needs to come home. How many could say, that's me? Just lift up your hand. I'm that lost sheep this morning. I see your hand, brother. God bless you. How many more? I'm the one. I'm the lost sheep this morning. And if you're the one, if there's one, there's two, there's three, there's five, doesn't matter the amount. The reason we had church this morning was you. The reason we do everything we do is for one. Multitudes are great, but multitudes isn't really what it's about. It's one-on-one evangelism. You saying this morning, Lord, who can I go reach? Let's stand across this place and stay in this attitude of worship. And all across this house, if you're the one this morning, you're the one that needs to say, Jesus, I need to make a public confession of my faith. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, listen, I know that you can, you can say a prayer at your seat. But I really believe God's word says that if you will confess him before man, he'll confess you before his father that's in heaven. But if you deny him before man, he'll deny you before his father in heaven. Maybe you're here and you believe, but you've never said to the whole world, I'm, I want to be saved. I'm the one. I'm the sinner that made Jesus go to the cross. If that's you, I know some hands went up. As we're standing here at this moment, just step out of your seat. We had several come in the beginning of the first service, come and give their lives. Just find that nearest aisle and come down here quickly. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Just find that nearest aisle and come down. Amen. I can't make you come out of your seat. All I can do is lead you to the water. We're going to say this with those that are online. Let's say this all together from our hearts. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy and your grace. I am the one this morning that needs your salvation. I'm lost. My pride, my anger, my unforgiveness has me in a place that is leading me to hell. But today I know and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
that you came down from heaven and lived a perfect life and took my place. And today I'm the one that you left the 99 to come and get. I accept you, I receive you, and I believe in you. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life from this day forward. Change me and transform me and use me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.